1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpowercom awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Hello and welcome to Loose Units Loose Ends, our weekly spin-off podcast. And given that we are trundling towards Christmas at a rate of knots, Dad and I thought it would only be appropriate to do a bit of a special episode and talk to the genius behind Jones Family Christmas, which technically is the first film ever adapted from a Loose Units podcast episode. Look, (laughs) Tegan Higginbotham, welcome. I know that's a technicality, and also calling my wife by her full name is very odd and formal.
3: Paul F. Verhoeven, thank you so much for having me on the show. (laughs) And we are, it's now, as of today, it's the 1st of December, so Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm excited that I can say that again. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the first of hopefully many adaptations you know, visual adaptations of Loose Units that we will see on the screen, fingers crossed for 2024. But um, thank you for having me. And and hello, John Verhoeven.
4: (laughs) Paul had suggested that Christine and I watch something in preparation for a podcast, and it, was, it wasn't it was great. So then a few nights ago... Hang on, we, um, just to
2: be clear, just to be clear, you're not talking about Jones Family. <laughs> no, no, that, that's no. That's But it way was, to
4: start the podcast. No, but it was the whole concept of sitting and having to do something like homework. And then mm. Christine and I, were, we've been... I, I have wanted to interview, I say I collectively, have, we have wanted to interview you, Tegan, for a long, long time. Yeah. We have known about this for so long. It, uh, I've got so many things I want to ask you that I haven't asked you because I know you've been incredibly busy. We called you after the film yeah. a few nights ago. I literally was almost crying during certain scenes of the movie. And if a movie can do that to you, it's a winner. And I did say to you on the telephone when we called, and I think we were on speakerphone, um, and I believe you were on a you on a farm at that stage on some property
3: i was actually in gaps in gippsland where the film is set
2: in
4: gapsland Gapsland. let's change the name for legal purposes obviously (laughs) yeah but i mean just
2: just as a bit of a heads up from everybody if you are a recent listener to loose units uh a couple of christmases back tegan was look australia's a bit complex uh, in the summer in fact it's complex all the time so tegan wrote this really great audio play called Red Hot Australian Christmas. And it was based on a family living in a place called Mafra, which is where her family are from, in Gippsland. And the bushfires happen to hit during Christmas. And it's a very complex family dynamic, made all the more complex by the encroaching literal flames that threaten to engulf them. And it's it's a great story. We all love it. And we, we actually staged it with a bunch of amazing performers during lockdown and released it as an hour-long radio play on this feed. So You
3: featured in it, Paul. John played the premier of Victoria. Oh, that's right. An iconic role and did an incredible job, I should say. And this is, yeah, where Red Hot Australian Christmas first had life was through the Loose Units channel and Loose Units fan base.
2: Yeah, yeah. And obviously it evolved from there into a Christmas film which is now streaming on Stan. It debuted on the 23rd of November and it's a Stan original Christmas feature film. And it's on right
4: now. Jones Family Christmas. Christmas is, it's a complex time where people come together not necessarily wanting to be together but but coming together through you know duress or obligation obligation yeah trust me there are lots of people that i won't be seeing this christmas um (laughs) (laughs) no it's just the way it is i mean and it brings out all sorts of emotions but i'll tell you this tegan that i didn't say to you before Kristen and i were looking at each other during the film and after we were wondering just how much of the story is clearly out of the far recesses of your mind in terms of your imagination, or have you actually gleaned certain characteristics and dynamics within the cast that reflect on your own family and other sort of outer family, you know, life? What a great question!
3: It's it is a brilliant question. There is so much of my family in that film mm. that I actually felt quite stressed sitting down <laughs> and watching it with them because. It's, it's a loving depiction of them, but you know, my family are hilarious and they're ridiculous. And my dad does get into fights with Siri on his phone. And my mum does go way overboard at Christmas to the point of mania at times. And mm. the reason I was really happy to put those things out there in the world is because I know that those are quite universal things. Mm. And I've really enjoyed hearing people telling me that they see their mum in the character of Heather, or they see their dad in the character of Brian or that their siblings behave that way. Mm. There is a character in there called Michan. Mm. In the original version of Red Hot Australian Christmas, the character was called Matthew. Matthew hates Gippsland, (laughs) struggles with insects and heat and the other siblings. And that character was based pretty pretty aggressively on my darling husband, Paul. <laughs> Actually,
2: when we did a set visit, I think, Dad, it was the first day of the shoot and we're walking around the Jones family home, which had yeah. been... It was almost finished being set dressed. And Tegan points to this performer and goes, Hey, um, hey mate, come over here. This is the guy your character is based on. And then he starts like grilling me for, for tips, yeah. for character notes. He goes, so you really don't like the country? I'm like, no, I hate it. And I started giving him this point is, I think, Frankly, it really helped flesh the character out, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And it didn't help that I was also cold and tired, so I really did lean into it. How did it feel? Okay, first of all, what did your family think of the versions of the thinly veiled versions of them in the film?
3: I think that, to be honest, I think it's still settling in for them, Mm. that this is a film about Gippsland. It's about Mafra and Dargo, and even though it's not called Lake Glen Maggie anymore in the film, it is about that region and what people go through. Mum and dad, they, I think they were quite taken aback by it and I really appreciated yourself, John, and Christine calling because you're a little bit more um, verbose uh, with your praise. Mum and dad just kind of went, yeah, it's good and then dad pointed out a few of the inaccuracies in the film. For example, you'd need more than one fire truck to put out that fire and when they left the house, why didn't they turn the lights off?
2: He did those during the film at full volume, by the way. <laughs> Leaned over in a, in a fully lit room and was giving continuity
4: notes. Which Thanks, Kevin. But no,
3: so I did appreciate your call. Oh, so very much.
4: Also, the family dynamic in that you... Am I, am I allowed to say that you make a... Should we call it a cameo or is it an actual...
3: Yeah, no, it's a cameo. I think that a cameo is definitely a fair way to okay, put so it. Okay, so
4: you make a cameo yeah, and it's an occupation that, again, <sighs> inextricably brings the two families together in real life, yeah. your family, our family... Mm-hmm. And that is the police slash fire thing. It's I mean, your mum and dad were volunteer firefighters. And also, as is well known by the Loose Units fans, uh, Christine and I were both in the New South Wales Police Force. And I think you played a spectacular police officer. And I would have been very proud to work with you. And I love the way you drove that massive Toyota Land Cruiser. I <laughs> assume you didn't have a stunt double. Tegan, T- were you actually driving that? Yeah, no, uh, I drove oh, that. Oh, you did drive stunts! Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's great. So... And, you know, Tegan, I've been in both those professions professionally for almost 20 years combined, police fireys. When I watch a film like that, for me, it's all about escaping, which I've been able to do with a couple of classic Australian films. And I'm in the castle. I would have seen that close to 10 times. And it's it's still a beautiful, poignant uniquely and quintessentially beautiful Australian film, as I feel strongly, as is your film. And we can say it's your film because you wrote it. Yep. And uh, on the TV, there was a we, we took a shot of your name.
2: You'd be surprised at how many people are sending through a photo of written by Tegan Higginbotham as Heather Mitchell's hands tie up a handmade bonbon and Christmas music plays mm-hmm. on a feature film. Uh, Dad, how would you rate... How would you rate Tegan's demeanour as a police officer? Body language, professionalism?
4: (laughs) Yeah, as a country police officer, we need to differentiate. Clearly, she's not a city, Melbourne city, Sydney city, highway patrol officer because people would just laugh and they wouldn't stop. They'd just keep driving because they'd just go, look, this person is clearly, you know, very casual, very (laughs) laissez-faire. But you nailed the country police officer thank you and it was lovely Uh, it was just great and that big guy your colleague michael longo
3: is his name yeah
4: i would like to have him by my side at any pub brawl for example Mm, would i like to have you by my side at a pub brawl maybe (laughs) on the radio maybe (laughs) maybe locking yourself in the police car and calling for help no kidding of course female police officers um have an extraordinary you know role to play and it really kept people on... Because, I mean, it's it's kind of a bit difficult to talk about it in all its intricacies, Tegan, because I don't want to spoil it for people that are going to watch it. Yeah. But it covers every base. It's emotional. It's It's got... I, I thought the fire scenes and the smoke was really atmospheric. Because I've been to bushfires. I've fought in some of the biggest bushfires in Sydney. And I think it was it was really, really good. And the house that, uh, Paul, I don't know whether you will recall, but the, the colours inside the house, mm. all different colours in different rooms, those colours mimicked a house that we used to own. Oh, yes, the Coachman's Cottage. That's right. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with having a feel-good film at this time of the year because it's been a fairly tumultuous year, locally, regionally, nationally and internationally. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fact that the family come out from England, you know, you're addressing all the different family dynamics. I think it's really good. And I may I commend it to everybody. But Tegan, what is the genesis of this story?
3: Gosh, it's, um, it was really exciting. Just before I touch on that, I wanna say thank you for prompting me because you're right. I remember when I first tried on the police outfit that they dressed me in, I actually messaged Christine and mm-hmm. was so excited and sending her photos of me. And I'm pretty sure I messaged you as well, John, going, I'm a cop, I'm a cop. <laughs> and I was talking um, with the wonderful uh, costume expert on the film about the fact that I had, you know, parents who were both police officers and firefighters and how important that was to me and, and, and is very, very important to me. Can I also just say, I, it's not lost on me that you just referenced the castle because that is to me just one of the best films And I actually throughout the writing phase of this project, banned myself from watching the castle mm. because I couldn't let it affect me. I didn't want to take anything from it. I didn't want to take the voice because I love that film so much. I was like, you can't watch it. That's going to be your treat at the end of this project.
0: Yeah. So when
3: I finally got to the end and we'd finished um, shooting, I was home by myself one day and I sat on the couch and watched the castle. And that was my special thing that I got to do to celebrate the fact that I had also now written an Australian film. Oh. It was so special because I'm with you, John. I think it is, it, it's one of the best But the the genesis of Jones Family Christmas from Red Hot Australian Christmas was really, really interesting. I'll preface it all by saying that it is genuinely quite difficult to get things made in this country. The industry's not going through an amazing patch. So for a few years there, I had been struggling, let's put it that way, and had gone through the Christmas of 2019, which as we know was the year that the really bad bushfires struck East Gippsland. And Paul and I had been with my family in Mafra, which Mm. was fortunately safe from the fires. Mafra wasn't hit, but we were still in the region. And I, you know, from the back veranda, as Christmas playing music was playing behind us, we could see the sky that really strange red, gray color that it Mm. goes really ominous. And we'd been putting buckets around the garden in case there had been ember attacks or anything like that. This was the sort of Christmas that we were spending. And as I drove home, the idea of what was back then Red Hot Australian Christmas just hit me in this one big moment. Paul was sitting next to me. Oh. I was, we were sitting in an intersection and yeah. I just went, I know what I have to write. And it was, it just, it came out of nowhere. This thing just it almost wrote itself. I was like, this is what it is. I submitted it at the time in a BBC radio play competition and got a commendation off the back of that. Mm-hmm. And then. Once again, just, you know, now after the summer of 2019, as we all know, a few months later, we are in COVID and the idea of getting anything made in Australia was even less possible. So I had one of those fuck it moments where I thought, fuck it, I'll just do it myself, mm. we'll make this thing a radio play. And by do it by myself, I meant I leaned heavily <laughs> on my husband and friends and, you know, we brought together this incredible cast of, of actors, uh, including yourself, John. Paul did this amazing audio soundscape wizardry that brought this story to life. And that December of 2020, we put out the official Red Hot Australian Christmas radio play on the Loose Units channel. Yeah. And Loose Units, that community being what it was, got around it and it did really well. It um, it was in the charts, it was featured on all the Apple um, homepages and we got a nice write up in the age off the back of it. And people were just, they were so lovely about it. But then, you know, we went into 2021 and still in COVID, not much had changed in the world. I sent it to a couple of people. I sent it to a producer friend of mine, Richard Kelly, mm. and he was like, oh, I'll send this to Stan. They do Christmas films. You never know what happens. But then 2021 went by, never heard anything. And in my industry, that's that's the breaks. That's how it goes. And, you know, we moved on from it. End of 2020. One, I believe that we put the radio playback out there again. We just gave it Second Life. And, Mm. you know, once again, it got lots of listens, lots of compliments. But what was really interesting is it was in 2022.
2: We were in Sydney for
3: some... We were driving to Sydney yeah, and it was one of the first times, John, that we were going to get to see you after a very, very long time. So Paul and I had promised you, I don't know if you remember this during lockdown, we said, as soon as those borders open back up, we're getting in the car and we're driving mm. up to Sydney. Nothing's going to stop us. And where did we yep. stop on the way? Well, this was the thing. We stopped at Mallacoota mm. and we had never been to Mallacoota, but Mallacoota was the epicenter of those bushfires. Mm. That was where people had been stranded on the beach. Those were all those mm. horrible, terrifying photos that we saw from people there in Mallacoota. So you and I actually detoured. We went to Mallacoota and we drove in and and we had this whole new respect for how dangerous it would have been because the road into Mallacoota is so narrow and precarious. And we stood on this shoreline, which is by the way, stunning. Everybody should go visit Mallacoota if they can. And, um, it was the first time in a very long time that we'd spoken about Red Hot Australian Christmas, the radio play. And yeah. it's because we were back in the, the scene where those fires had unfolded. And we mentioned how great it was and how lovely. It had been to to put that project out there.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.
3: The next day we drove to Sydney. Um, We met up with you, John, at at Bill's for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And as we came out of Bill's, I got a call from my friend Richard Kelly. And he said, you won't believe who was just on the phone. It was Stan. They'd like to know if you think you could develop Red Hot Australian Christmas into a feature. So then I yelled at the top of my voice, "Oh my god, yes, yes, I can. I'll do it right away." And I said maybe mm. t-
2: just play a little hard to get. Uh.
3: Um, <laughs> and from that point on, things moved very, very quickly. I mean, we're talking that that was September of last year. Yeah. And between then and now, we have written and gone through several draft phases of scripts, cast, shot, and released a Christmas film. Yeah. And 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 that's how it happened and, and I I do need to say a quick shout out to Stan because they are a local streaming platform. And when they say that they're interested in supporting local talent, they really do mean it. Stan has Mm. been a huge, a huge support in my career. And this moment, you know, being able to put this project out there, it just means the world. So I'm I'm really grateful to Rachel and all the people at Stan.
2: Many industries were left affected by lockdown. Mm. Many industries, especially the arts. The arts took a beating during that period. So to make a film about a thing that you did during lockdown mm. is just so restorative and yeah. it's so amazing to see it. And I, I wanted to ask you, what was it like seeing both versions next to each other? Because the radio play is, look, listeners, a lot of you hold the radio play, Red Hot Australian Christmas, very close to you. You're all part of the process, you're all involved. You were there with us every step of the way. So Tegan, I'm curious as to how you feel about the differences between the radio play and the feature film as it stands.
3: Oh, I'm- I was completely spun out the first time I saw Joan's family Christmas on screen mm. because it is, it's, it's like having somebody pull something that's been in your head for such a long time and it, it's the same thing, but it's also completely different. Yeah, It was such an exciting experience that I had goosebumps for, you know, whatever it is, an hour and a half straight. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think Steph Smith, who was our director, mm-hmm. has just interpreted this story in such a stunning way. The love that she has poured into it and it's sophisticated. It's so compassionate. And I think, you know, we're really aware that these, especially when it comes to the themes around the bushfires in particular,
0: mm-hmm.
3: we want people to know that this is, this is a loving look at, at the CFA and how communities band together and how Australians are facing these sorts of, you know, tragedies. Sometimes at Christmas time, we're not making fun of that. And I think she got that tone absolutely perfect. She really nailed it on the head. So mm. it was fantastic seeing it on screen.
4: And also, Tegan, I think I mentioned this to you in the telephone call, the extraordinary and beautiful haunting, just mm. so emotional, the, 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 the Australian sky, and that that the look to the horizon there's a particular scene on a fence yeah looking out it's so beautiful i believe that everyone overseas should definitely i mean hopefully this will travel this film i'm hoping yeah and one thing that i found that resonated very very strongly was, with me was the soundtrack it was it was haunting mm. and and it's if the person look, it's I know it's a team team effort, but you know the direction, the music, that clearly all based on. I mean, they you can't make a a good film if you've got a bad script. Yeah, and it all comes back. You are the epicenter, and I guess a question that I would like to ask um, now is: Has it sort of? put a fire in your belly in terms of film.
3: It really has. Mm. I'm so, I'm feeling so energized to get back out there and and take another swing and create something else. And, you know, I don't know if that's what the universe has got in store for me for 2024. I'm really, hey universe, (laughs) I'm hoping hoping that it does. Um, But at the same time, I'm trying not to do that thing that I used to do consistently in my twenties where gauge the success of this project based on whether it leads me to something else No, I understand. so many times i mean i'd have great projects that i'd be working on things like um you know whose line is it anyway and stuff like that that i should have enjoyed at the time being on such a cool program but i was so busy kind of going okay what's next what's next yes. is this has this rolled into something have i capitalized on this opportunity but i think i spent the entireties of my 20s just feeling stressed and so for me yes i absolutely want to write another film. I've got a script that I'm working on at this very moment, um, that I'm really, really excited about. But if that happens, amazing. If Joan's family Christmas is just what it is. I also think that that's amazing as well. Mm, And mm. you know, there are even other little things in there that mean so much, you know, John, when yourself and Christine spent, uh, Christmas with my family back in Melbourne, and this was going back a few years. I will never forget the moment where we all played a game of cricket because in my mind, that's just what you do at Christmas time. Everybody gets together and you play a game of cricket and you pointed out that that was the first time that you had ever played that sort of a game. Like backyard cricket, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you'd never done that. And for me, that moment was really special and is is absolutely one of the reasons why cricket is featured in Joan's Family Christmas because of that moment that we shared. So those things for me are just gonna, they mean so much that yeah, Jones Family Christmas will stay very special Regardless of what mm. happens next
2: Incredible People coming up to Tegan after the screening Going, so what, what are they doing next? What's the sequel? What, what's the Jones Family doing next Christmas? And the litany of strange and terrible ordeals You're willing to put these people through <laughs> Is so funny and interesting
3: But you say that But so much stuff happens with families Yeah All the conversations people have been having, me in the li- having with me In the last week of going Oh, my family does this Or this happened mm. to my family Or one Christmas this went down And you go, Oh my God, it's just unbelievable.
2: You know what I'm going to do? Uh, and this is a bit of a snap decision, but I'm very excited about it. So Dad and I are already planning our slate of Christmas episodes of Loose Units to be oh, played cool. over Christmas. Um, and what I'd like to do on either the 21st or 22nd of December, I would like to re-release Red Hot Australian Christmas, the audio play. Dad mm-hmm. and I will record a new intro and outro. That'd be nice. And just to just so that people who've maybe seen the film and are new to the podcast can listen to it afresh. And I urge everybody to listen. And what's great is there are pieces of music I absolutely love. And I love hearing different artists' interpretations of those pieces of music because everybody comes to a thing and gives it different aspects and different Mm -hmm. flavors and colors. And I think the audio play and the film exist in such a wonderful little pocket of creativity. And I'm just, I'm so, so happy for you. But I need to bring up something very small while we've got Dad here. Okay. So, as you mentioned before, um, Dad played the premiere of Victoria in the radio play.
3: And did an incredible
2: job. Incredible job. So, um, I believe there was a little bit of a light recasting for that role in, <laughs> in the film. Could you uh, clarify?
3: Well, we needed uh, we needed a younger man. So, we went for a man with a very similar look, very similar voice. Uh-huh. In fact, a very similar last name. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we went with... Paul Verhoeven, and yes. I'm going to use this opportunity to back away from this conversation.
4: <laughs> no, well, Christine and I, we we did a double take during the movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's nepotism, <laughs> it's <good>. Dad. <laughs>
0: They no. Often
2: talk about, no, they talk about political dynasties like the Kennedys, and honestly, it's mm. not okay to just give your kids the job of stepping up into power. Now, I don't think the Premier of Victoria can elect their son as the next Premier, but that's what it feels like spiritually, Tegan sort of did.
4: Mm. Also, um, an analogy I would like to bring to this conversation is that if you go to any of the big bookstores in Australia, and I'm talking the, the really big bookstores in Sydney, we've got... Um, you know, massive bookstores in George Street. And listeners, just imagine you go in and have a look at the tens of thousands of books. I mean, it's daunting. And then imagine how difficult it is for just one of those books to be turned into a movie. And Tegan's done it. And just from a mathematical um, perspective, the odds are... A slim. There are many, many people in this world that write books who would love to have done what you've done, Tegan. Clearly, you're incredibly talented. Otherwise, we wouldn't have attended the wedding. And <laughs> which, which I was talking about your wedding in Paris just this morning. Yeah. And, you know, I have told so many people about this movie that you've written and is now on stand that I'm almost horse in my voice. Speaking of which, there Is were that... several horses in the
2: original screenplay,
4: actually.
3: Wrote right, them out. Horses are expensive.
4: Very expensive, yeah.
2: They were going to just like um, sell a tape of a bunch of cats together, but that wasn't ethical, so no
4: horses. Mm. Um, Tegan, it's a thrill to have you on our show. And I know you're incredibly busy, and it's a big thing for you to set aside some quality time. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you and Paul at Christmas. It's going to be... Hopefully nothing like the one, one in the film. Hopefully no fires. Hopefully not. But um, I mean, if, if the worst sort of situation should arise when we're together as a family, rest assured that you have one highly experienced <laughs> ex-firefighter on this particular holiday. Um, and of course, if I completely lose, lose the plot, you can always call your dad and he can oh, talk, look, talk not us just, through.
3: Not to throw shade on the Higginbothams who I clearly love and adore, but if there was a, an emergency scenario If there was an emergency scenario, I think I'd be better off with the Verhoevens.
4: (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I hope your dad never hears that. (laughs) But anyway.
3: I just think Mum would run around and, um, yeah, it would be very stressful.
4: Look, um, my go-to person when I get stressed is Christine. She is the epitome of calmness. And she's got a couple of really good sayings. And one of the best sayings that she has that I try and live by is don't look over your shoulder and I think that's really good and, and and it's the thing with holidays too you mentioned Tegan you're in your 20s you just felt that and that's the problem particularly sort of in this day and age where very few people manage to live in the now mm. and that's why your film is so good because of what it does it forces you to sit in an inanimate state, for an hour and a half, completely absorbed in a beautiful story, and that's enabling people to live in the now, which is—it's um, becoming more and more difficult. And we're always looking over the next horizon, looking about. It's Monday, but I'm thinking about Tuesday or Wednesday. It's Wednesday now. I'm thinking about Friday. And honestly, we're you end up wishing your life away. So, and I think being your your parents are very blessed to be on a, on a farm. Christian and I drove to a sheep station 2 weeks ago, and one of the things we noticed was the silence mm. and the fact that everything and everyone out there uh <laughs> the farmer that we met, he walked towards us at a third of the speed people in the city walk at. He spoke at 50% of the speed that we talk in the city and after about an hour out there you just can feel yourself slowing down it's like the blood coursing through your veins you can if you visualize you can see it starting to slow down again I feel as though you've really captured the essence of a red hot Australian Christmas. Well put.
2: And just before we go, Tegan, I'd like to point out one other thing, Dad. The uh, saying that Mum has: "Don't look over your shoulder." Very nice, figuratively. But if there's fire in your area, absolutely look over your good shoulder. You, ne- <laughs> you need to know where that fucking well, fire. I've always is.
4: said. I have always said you're an ideas person. I I don't necessarily feel all of your ideas are good, but on this occasion, well said.
2: Well, Tegan's an ideas person too, and her latest good idea has been turned into a feature film. It is called Jones Family Christmas. It's now streaming on Stan. You are all invited to a Jones Family Christmas. Get your butts over and watch it right now. And please stay tuned on our feed over the coming weeks for lots of really, really fun Christmas content, including a re-airing of Red Hot Australian Christmas, the radio play. In the meantime, have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone.
4: Cheerio.
3: Cheerio. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> well,
4: that's that's that'd be a first for you, Tegan. <laughs>
0: Hold up.